On this episode, we'll be discussing one of the secrets of Freemasonry and Western esotericism. Join us for a discussion of the lost word. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky of the Occult of Personality podcast, and my co-host, David Newman of the Hermetic Arts Learning Center in Salem, Massachusetts. Welcome to The Lost Word. David, tonight we're going to be talking about a, a very curious symbol that's introduced uh, in Freemasonry. And it's basically, according to Albert Mackey, one of uh, the scholars of Masonry, this symbol is really a substitute for something else. And I find that really fascinating because what he points to is the idea of the, the word that's been lost is, is this word has the power to regenerate, to resurrect, if you will, um, to bring life to that which has passed. And uh, he mentions this idea being uh, pointing to a, a primordial state or a golden age mm -hmm. before man's consciousness had separated from the divine is I think how he describes it. And that, that subject becomes really interesting because it actually extends into so many different areas. Um, now one of the areas we know and have heard about this idea of the word um, as a symbol is in the Bible where right. we hear that in the beginning the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, that translates into the Hermetic tradition as well, at least from the perspective of the Golden Dawn. I mean, um, in the Z documents, which explains um, how everything, well, it explains the, 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 what's going on behind the rituals, especially the Neophyte ritual, we have what's called the, um, the Enterer of the Threshold. And at the very beginning of that, there's this interesting little piece that's very similar. It talks about how Thoth vibrated the universe into being, or spoke the universe into being. Thoth being, from this perspective, the Logos, right? It's a beautiful passage, so maybe I can read this and it'll kind of give us some insight on that, all right? So, <clears throat> at the ending of the night, at the limits of the light, Thoth stood before the unborn ones of time. Then was formulated the universe. Then came forth the gods thereof, the aeons of the bornless beyond. Then was the voice vibrated. Then was the name declared. At the threshold of the entrance between the universe and the infinite, in the sign of the enterer stood Thoth. As before him were the aeons proclaimed. In breath did he vibrate them. In symbols did he record them. For betwixt the light and the darkness did he stand. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, like I said, from the Golden Dawn perspective or from the Hermetic perspective, I think that pretty much says it all. Um, the idea of the Logos, so the word representing vibration, frequency, yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. certainly. And I, and I think the other thing to note from that that I really took from it was how it w it's the word itself uh, announcing that, vibrating that word 
that is like the like you said the the crossing point between mm -hmm. the unmanifest and the manifest. And the manifest. Yep. Um, and it's it's very interesting because the ideas or any ideas, any concepts expressed in word or maybe number, but expressed nonetheless, the idea of the word is essentially a departure from the one, a departure from unity, an unrolling of creation, a descent down the tree of life. That makes absolute sense. And like I said, maybe a way for us to, okay, to point its the journey back up the tree of life by understanding these formulas. Very much so. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, um, well about, you were talking a little bit about the ladders of light. Um, yeah, Jacob's ladder and this right. idea of the word being, you know, having the ability to sort of shatter unity and then to bring us back to it. Um, I just want to read a quote from yeah. Pico della Mirandola's uh, oration, and in it he talks about Jacob's ladder and 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 how we as human beings can become more than we began our lives as mm -hmm. essentially. He says, if we want to be the companions of the angels moving up and down Jacob's ladder. This will not be enough unless we have first been well-trained and well-taught to move forward duly from rung to rung, never to turn aside from the main direction of the ladder and to make sallies up and down. When we have attained that by means of the speaking or reasoning art, then be sold by a cherub spirit philosophizing along the rungs of the ladder of nature and penetrating through everything from center to center, we shall at one time be descending, tearing apart like Osiris, the one into many by a titanic force. And we shall at another time be ascending and gathering into one the many, like the members of Osiris by an Apollonian force until finally we come to rest in the bosom of the Father, who as it is at the top of the ladder and are consumed by a theological happiness. That makes sense. I mean, again, there's that formula, the idea of, of the Word or the Logos bringing everything into creation or everything into vibration. And then we as the individual, using those formulas, to awaken to that unity consciousness where it all kind of um, derived from or originated from. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how that functions in a practical sense from a Golden Dawn perspective. I mean, we use divine names you know, as a part of the system. Um, obviously, the most important one, and I guess the most esoteric tradition, at least Western traditions, is the, you know, the Tetragrammaton, the ineffable name. From a hermetic, Kabbalah or Hermetic Kabbalistic um, point of view, you know, represents the four worlds, represents the four elements, represents the four suits of the tarot, right? Um, so we have the divine name, um, Yod, He, Vav, He, the Tetragrammaton. Now, the name's never really pronounced. It's just the letters are vibrated, usually. We kind of stick with that kind of um, tradition of not saying the name, but vibrating the letters. 
Um, but it's more of a, um, like I said, it's more of a idea of a formula of creation or, again, ascension. There are different divine names throughout the Tree of Life that are also utilized as well. And the way that those are used in a very practical sense is the idea that the way I look at them is like filters. Okay, so we have this one light, this white light, but it filters through these different spectrums or these different colors, right? And we can utilize that. Um, you need to bring more Mars into your life. You might want to use the divine name that filters that energy or taps into that particular frequency of the universe. And it can be used practically and is, again, a part of the kind of a initiatory process, too, you know, using these names to, to awaken to these various aspects of consciousness you know, or perspectives yeah. in ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a really brilliant explanation, and I, I love the descriptor of filters because I yeah. think that's so accurate. Um, there's only one thing, there's only that one light, but it filters itself and, and shows it can, itself. It yeah. can differentiate yeah. itself right. into certain aspects that uh -huh. might be useful. Um, not to have too many quotes, but I think this one by Manley Hall in his Secret Teaching of All Ages goes exactly to what you're saying here. And he writes, in the book of coming forth by day, many of the Egyptian secrets have been preserved to this generation. While this ancient scroll has been well translated, only a few understand the secret significance of its magical passages. Oriental races have a keen realization of the dynamics of sound. They know that every spoken word has tremendous power and that by certain arrangements of words, they can create vortices of force in the invisible universe about them and thereby profoundly influence physical substance. The sacred <coughs> word by which the world was established the lost word which masonry is still seeking, and the threefold divine name symbolized by A-U-M, the creative tone of the Hindus, are all indicative of the veneration accorded the principle of sound. Oh, I agree. I mean, like I said, I think that each one of these divine names that are used, they have certain frequencies, and they resonate with certain energy. Um, another thing that you and I were talking about earlier, this idea of you know, ancient languages not having vowels, right? Maybe there was something behind that. Maybe the consonants were setting some structure in some form, and by putting the vowels in, we added energy to that structure, or that, or that maybe the direction that that name was supposed to be taking, and you add the energy into that. So maybe there was something. There was some, you know, maybe in these divine names, you're not supposed to know the actual vowel. Maybe it changed. Maybe it changed the energy pattern of that. But anyway, we close. To make a long story short, these divine names, the ones that we use in the Hermetic traditions, they do work. You blend them with the proper colors, too. So you have both color and sound coming together to form this energy pattern that you can use practically or to use to change yourself in, in terms of spiritual alchemy or use in practical magic to, to project into objects or into the universe. Yeah, that's a very interesting idea, sound and color being sort of different aspects of those filters yeah, that exactly. you talked about. Yeah, it's, it's so important. You know, light, sound, they're all aspects of the electromagnetic spectrum, mm -hmm. essentially, and we, are, we can only tap into a very small range of that spectrum, but, you know, these are two primary aspects that we can um, use. Yeah, certainly can. Um, 
Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the other divine names that are used by um, in Kabbalism. Well, um, we have um, some of the Notarikons, if you want to use some of those, for instance, mm -hmm. right? A big one being Ararita. Um, so the Hebrew would be Akad Rosh, Akadotho Rosh, Ikadotho Tomorzo Akad. You know, one is his beginning, one is his, one is his beginning, one is his personality, his permutation is one. Yeah. All right. Now that's used um, in reference, particularly in ceremonial magic, to the eye. It's used a lot during the hexagram rituals, so the planetary rituals. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's a it's a very important name that we use regularly. Um, let me see what else on the, on the menu. Again, the tetragrammaton we already talked about. Yeah. You know, the idea of that being the four worlds. Now, what's interesting about that is we have lots of different kind of variations of of the. We have the four letter name. The Tetragrammaton. Mm -hmm. We have the 72 letter name, right? We have the 42 letter name. These are all different Kabbalistic names that are, you know, throughout the different, from the Zohar and from different um, um, grimoires and, and um, Kabbalistic traditions. Um, do you know much about those or have you used well, those? Or? I know a little bit. I mean, the, the 72 names. Uh, you know, the way they take the biblical passage right. and the Torah and then they layer it into three horizontal lines right. and then section it vertically. So you have 72 right. columns of three letters each, each one representing <coughs> a different name or filter, as filter, you put it, right. um, and can be used for various different practical purposes. Right. Um, then we can add an ending to it to make it into angels, too. Right. Right. Now, you mentioned also this 42-letter name, which I think is fascinating yeah. because the, the Kabbalists say, you know, 42 is one of the secret numbers of the universe. Right. So the 42-letter name um, actually came from a prayer. It's a second-century prayer. And what's interesting is it's a, f it's a prayer that has seven verses or seven lines. And the way the name was derived from, it was the first letter of the words in, in each verse. Now, if you think about it, seven, right? So you have seven lines. That particular name has planetary associations as well. Okay? Makes sense. Um, yeah, it's no coincidence you have 42 pentacles in the um, Greater Key of Solomon. Yeah. You know? And I think I had remarked earlier yeah. about this number 42 in Kabbalism in the, in the Torah. They say that from the, the first letter of the Torah, the bet in Bereshit mm -hmm. to the bet in bohu or void is 42 letters. So right. from, from beginningness to void 42. is 42. Yeah. Um, there's so many different, there's the, um, I mean, there's a 33 letter name of God. There's a 12 letter name of God. So there's different variations. Again, what they're, they're doing is they're using these, 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 um, these energy patterns, or these letters, and they create these different energy patterns in different ways of associating with the ineffable. Yeah. Now, yeah. we can look at examples in, in Greek mythology mm -hmm. where they use these divine names as well. Now, I've read um, Jesus Christ, Son of God, and uh, the author discusses some ideas in there that are not generally accepted by scholars, but I think are fascinating, where he talks about uh, Hermes as a name um, equaling 353, which is one-third of the name Apollo, and so, you know, that was his explanation of how Hermes was thrice greatest because, you know, these proportions and, that makes sense. and these 
these names of the Greek gods, Hermes, Apollo, and Zeus, all represented certain mathematical proportions that were necessary to understand nature and to extend man's domain in nature itself, to build, to construct, to survey and measure and divide. Again, essentially, we're, we're going from a unity and, and breaking it up. Right. It makes a lot of sense, again, back to the idea of the Kabbalistic um, um, relationships to that. Obviously, we have Gematria. Right. You know, so you can take each one of these names, you can, you can and, uh, figure out the Gematria of the name, see how it associates with something else in the universe. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's I think, th I think, th I think um, you know, the Greek tradition and the um, later Kabbalistic tradition, they, they, they influence each other quite a bit. I would have to agree. I mean, I don't have any direct evidence, but it, you know, it, it seems impossible sense. that there wasn't yeah. a lot of cross-contamination going on there. Yeah, at least, at least by the time that, that, that some of these kind of like books like this, you know, The Safer Get Sierra and things like that are being written down. Mm -hmm. But um, from my perspective, again, it's usually more kind of a practical perspective on this stuff. It definitely works. It works. And so whether you understand it or not, um, vibrating these particular names and ritual, they do set up certain energy patterns. You can feel it. Um, an exercise that you know that that I use regularly is the middle pillar, for instance. You know, and if you and you know you do that on a regular basis, you will see change. You will understand those those, those and you'll see, you'll feel those energy patterns in yourself. You can, you can, by vibrating those names, using the proper colors, vibrating the names, you really do um, draw those energies into yourself or learn to project them, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I do that exercise regularly and I would, yeah. I would completely, you know, echo what you just said, 100%. Yeah. But, um, no, um, yeah, I think that, that this is such a complex subject in the sense that, you know, ultimately I think all these names are just pointers to, 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 to get us somewhere. But, you know, yes. ultimately most of this is beyond our <laughs> comprehension. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> point. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're basically indicating that one doesn't, doesn't need to know the yeah. theory behind yeah. it in order to make it work. No, like absolutely not. You don't need to know how a Com internal combustion engine works in order to drive the car. Exactly, or use a computer. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, you can use it, and you can get what you want done with it. And like I said, this, this, these are all this, this is, these are vehicles. This is a vehicle that takes us somewhere. Now, how the ancient people, how these, how they came up with this system? I mean, well, they they say that it was given to them exactly. by the angels. Right. So there you go. So whoever the, that, that was, you know, I, I, all that I know is that it works and that um, particularly in the context of, again of, of using, I'm, I'm more familiar with, with the Kabbalistic Hebrew type traditions and Anokian too, that's another whole different subject where you have these, you know, these, these powerful words these par that actually change your, your brain patterns maybe. Your Some day. people say it changes yeah. physical substance. Yeah, yeah, so you know, um, but um, Ultimately, you know, the reason for all of this is to um, reach that point of understanding that goes beyond words. So well, that's a, that's so a great <laughs> point. I mean, and, and that's why the, the lost word itself is this kind of paradoxical symbol because it's it's actually pointing to a state of consciousness that there are no words. It's nonverbal. Mm. It's because 
it, it is the one, this unification, you know, sitting in the throne of the Father, essentially, as Pico describes it. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a wordless, con conceptless, thingless state. Well, I love this line. The aeons of the bornless beyond. Yeah. That's the line I love in that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's saying that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's beyond words, that's beyond comprehension. And, you know, we have these beautiful tools that the ancients or whatever tradition, you know, we want to use can, can help us as, again, as practical tools to reach that state of consciousness. And again, in Eastern traditions, we have the same thing. We have mantras, you know, we have, you know, obviously the Aum is, you know, is a powerful, um, um, I guess, Name, divine name, you know, um, very similar name to that is the one that you, you were talking about earlier too, the Gnostic one. Oh, E-I-O. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting one because it's all vowels, mm -hmm. there's no consonants, and there may be other meanings or interpretations, but one of them is strictly from from a sound perspective as well as the shape of the letters, where it's actually <clears throat> an unfolding of creation into perfection, essentially. Like the E, uh, ah, is like the opening of the compass. O, the sphere or the circle representing divinity. Right, makes absolute sense. So you're, you're ascending with the name, you're not only philosophically and through sound, you know, but there's also the spiritual aspect, you know, because you're approaching it with a certain intention. Mm -hmm. And that name's associated with, um, and, and again, in the Golden Dawn tradition, the, um, the, the formula of light, right? So you have um, Isis, Apophis, and Osiris, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, that's, that's a definitely, you know, the analysis of the key word. So it's often used that way. So it's, that's one other way of looking yeah, at so it. Yeah, so it's also interpreted as this idea of the creator, the sustainer, and exactly, the destroyer, exactly. just like in the Vedic tradition, exactly, Krishna, exactly. Vishnu, and mm -hmm. Shiva. Right. Or even um, is um, states of consciousness above Tefereth, or Tefereth and beyond. So we have that little triad of Tefereth, you know, Gavora, and Hesed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, right there, too. So... Very interesting. I hadn't actually thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. So Isis being in Hesed and mm -hmm. Gavor, obviously Apophis and Osiris in Tevereth. Yeah, so yeah, and that makes sense because that's where the the sphere of the resurrection is. Right there. Yeah. In Tevereth. Yeah, the heart center. I think we were talking about this before we got here. Yeah. How you can know everything about the philosophy and the history and the scholarship behind it, but where does the magic take place? It's not in the head. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the realm of concrete consciousness, I guess we can call it. Um, that's, that's where we, that's where you feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Symbols become relatable in some ways, yeah. you know. And, the, and in, in that way, one can be while alive, mm -hmm. still reborn to the true unity of existence. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we're on the same page exactly with this. But um, like I said, I, I still think 
all of this when it comes down to the, the, the mystery of it all, the mystery of, the, of these divine names and these unable, the unknowable name of the Tetragrammaton and this. They're all just pointers. They're putting us in a direction where, again, ultimately the experience of going beyond words, going to the realm of the aeons of the bottomless beyond, mm -hmm. it's beyond words. It is. And that's why it's the lost word. Right. Maybe the word gets lost when you cross the abyss. Certainly. I love it. No. Um, I think this would be a perfect place to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. um, one final thing I want to mention is in, in this idea of divine names and words of power is uh, from a scholar's perspective, this is really useful because what happens is um, knowledge of names or words that are in a foreign tongue or an unintelligible or more primordial language um, essentially is secret knowledge that separates them from the non-initiated right. and then they can employ the use of these names with the confidence that they work mm. and they do. What's interesting too, you know, a lot of traditions, especially in witchcraft, <coughs> the names are kept very, very secret because mm -hmm. that adds a lot of power to them. That's right. They're given to you an initiation, they're given into a, an estate where you're really, really ready to, um, I guess, um, have them affect you, or you're, you're in this really open, receptive state. And then, again, I know from the, I mean, the witchcraft traditions, they keep their god names very, very, very close. So, there you go. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other final thoughts you'd like no, to? No, I, can, I, can th I think we covered it all, and I think, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me what we just said. Um, I, the thing that I want to stress the most, though, like I, that, that, that I believe that no matter what tradition you're working, no matter how you're working with these, these names of power, um, realize that these do carry a certain frequency, a certain energy to them. Be reverent. Um, I usually don't use divine names, just kind of in matter-of-fact conversation. Keep them to your temple work. Keep them to your private work. Put a sense of um, sanctity to using these names. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And, uh, and if we look back to masonry, we can see how reverently they treat yeah. this because not only do they present it publicly as the symbol is the lost word, mm -hmm. but even in the ritual, you only get a substitute. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's, and they do work. And then you know, on a practical level, I mean, um, I found that that's this, on my day to day work, using the divine names to kind of again generate or bring these energies into my into my um, field of understanding works really, really well. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, thank you, David. Well, thank it's always you. a pleasure <laughs> to speak with you, and thank you for joining yeah. us on this episode of The Lost Word. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky. We'll see you next time. Thanks. This has been a production of the Gnostic Wisdom Network. For more information about this and all of GWN's programming, please visit GnosticWisdom.net. The opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions of GWN, the Apostolic Joannite Church, or any other organization. This has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License and is brought to you by the generous support of our patrons. To support our programs and become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash gnostic. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash g-n-o-s-t-i-c.